Antonio Brown came in a copter. Vince Williams came as Stone Cold Steve Austin. But mostly the entrances to Steelers training camp were kind of subdued. Alejandro Villanueva should have showed up in a tank and then shot somebody in the parking lot. Then we could have played the Star Spangled Banner and a bunch of F-35s could have done a flyover. That would have been sweet. Uh, Vince Williams says he's going to tweet less and do less media. That reminds me of when addicts say they're going to do less heroin. Yo, Vince, the first taste is free. I don't care about the copter and the Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff. I, I really don't. But the Patriots don't do that stuff. Whether it's good or bad or doesn't matter, the Patriots don't do it. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am the game because I am just that damn good. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. We got Hockey Hall of Famer Brian Trottier on at 3.30 to talk a little off-season Penguins and NHL. Then at 4.30, live from Latrobe and Steelers training camp from the DVE Morning Show, it's Mike Pursuta. Uh, the Pirates host the New York Mets tonight. No update on Starling Marte, who was hit in the hand by a pitch uh, yesterday at Cleveland. Had to leave the game. Uh, the word is that there's no break, but the swelling was pretty bad, so he seems very unlikely to be in the lineup tonight. The Pirates have not yet released a starting lineup on Twitter. Uh, regarding tonight's game at PNC Park, I posted a poll on Twitter. What is the attendance going to be tonight at PNC for the first game of that series between the Pirates and Mets? I got 23K as the over-under. Will attendance at the Pirates game tonight be over or under 23K? Vote now at X. And what's it mean if the under hits, what's it say about the impact or lack thereof of the Pirates hot streak having won 13 out of 15? Pirate fans keep saying attendance doesn't matter. It doesn't reflect interest in the team. I wonder what the owner thinks about that, although local TV ratings are good. The Pirates got to win three out of four against the Mets. If the Pirates are really in the wild card race, they can't backslide against a crap team. And the Mets are definitely a crap team. I want to make one point about the debate we had yesterday about public schools and non-boundary schools and should they compete for the same championships in the Whippeal and PIAA. I think they should. Don't overcomplicate. And to say a gifted kid should stay in a lesser athletic program in perpetuity for the sake of being fair, sorry, but that's just stupid. If Dan Marino hadn't gone to Central Catholic, he'd have gone to Alderdice. Not exactly a football power. Not exactly a great league, the City League. Not exactly a passing offense. 
Curtis Martin can come out Alderdice and go to the NFL. Dan Marino, I'm not so sure. So, should Dan Marino have sold his potential down the river way back when for the sake of being fair? Not that Dan would have disappeared. Might have gone to MLB instead. He was just as good at baseball as he was at football in high school, if you can believe. And Alderdice, a baseball power back in the day, a guy like Gary Green played at Alderdice and had a great MLB career. Well, not great, but but lengthy. He made some money. But in football, Central Catholic helped Dan Marino maximize. Let kids go to whatever school they want. Private if they can afford it. Public as long as they live there. Put every school in the same league. Don't overcomplicate. Uh, getting back to the Steelers. Uh, they handled talking about James Harrison quotes very well. Uh, kind of just blew him off. Uh, Ponzi praised Tomlin and took a jab at Harrison. Said that guys have a lot to say once they're retired. Uh, don't get me wrong. Everything Harrison said about Tomlin's lack of discipline and Tomlin playing favorites, that was 100% correct. But the Steelers can't agree with that. Not out loud. Like I said, they handled it very well. The Steelers have developed some leaders. The trick is to get the other guys to follow. I love Marquise Pouncey. When he came to Pittsburgh, he was a punk. It was the same with Marcus Gilbert. But they changed, and they grew, and they matured. They're not kids anymore. The Steelers made a statement about the anthem policy that wasn't really a statement. It talked about the league and the players working together to find common ground, yada, yada. But the Steelers don't have a team policy when it comes to the national anthem. The Dallas Cowboys do, uh, but I guess Art Rooney doesn't believe in states' rights. He's going to let the league decide. Uh, Ramon Foster's the Steelers' player rep, and there was a quote from him in the Steelers' statement that I found interesting, and I quote, To us, it's always been about football first. Our thing has been do our job, number one, and secondly, help when the opportunity is there. Unquote. Uh, it hasn't always been about football first. You'll recall back in September at Chicago, the Steelers discussed and decided and absolutely mangled what they did uh, during the anthem before the game at Soldier Field. They were clearly rattled by what transpired. And they lost to the Bears, a team that wound up winning only five games all season. And if the Steelers win that game, they go 14-2 and and get home field advantage throughout the AFC half of the playoffs. Uh, that said, what Foster said in the statement, it, it sounds good to me. Foster also mentioned that a lot of Steelers players have charities and do community work. And it's a shame we don't talk about that the way we talk about the anthem controversy. Uh, that last part is a bunch of crap. The media didn't dig the hole with the anthem controversy. 
The fans didn't dig the hole with the anthem controversy. Trump didn't dig the hole with the anthem controversy. Football dug that hole. The players filed their own nest, and the NFL wasn't decisive, never has been decisive about this issue, and still isn't being decisive. The Steelers need to steer clear of all this. They all need to be on the sideline, and they need to be standing. That's what's best for the brand. That's what the fan base would prefer. It's what's best for business. Uh, The soccer at Heinz Field last night drew only 16K. That's a shame because it was a good game. 2-2 after 90 minutes, and then Benfica wins on penalty kicks. It just wasn't a sexy matchup beyond Christian Pulisic uh, playing for Borussia Dortmund. And Pulisic looked real good, by the way. But the stadium looked empty, just like it does for a lot of pit football games. By the way, Heinz Field isn't being considered for World Cup games when that tournament comes to North America in 2026, and you could see why last night. The field is just too narrow for big-time soccer. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We're going to talk a lot about some of the position battles at Steelers training camp. There aren't many, but uh, they're worth discussing. Interesting development already. Cam Sutton. We heard he'd be switching to safety from cornerback. Well, Sutton said that he's scheduled to take reps at cornerback and at nickel and at dime, but not yet safety. Nothing is scheduled in that regard. I hear people saying they might go with seven DBs in packages that are used frequently. Wow, Mike Pursuta will have a lot to say about that, I'm sure, when he joins me at 430. Remember what I said about LeBron going to L.A.? Not to win a championship with the Lakers, but to start his Hollywood career, his life after basketball? Well, he got that barbershop talk show, and it's been picked up by HBO. Didn't take long, did it, for LeBron to establish himself with with a big-time foothold in Hollywood. Oh, wait, more breaking news. Jay Happ's been traded. And no, not to the Pirates. That lightning has not struck twice in the same place. The Yankees get Jay Happ. Oh, what might have been. What might have been. Brian Trotty at the bottom of the hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? We're all going to rock to the rules I make. Double M, big fan. How you like it now, bitch? The X at 105.9. Here's the Bucko lineup for tonight's game against the Mets at PNC Park. Loplo in left field. Harrison at second base. Polanco in right Freeze at third base, Bell at first base, Cervelli back in the lineup, batting sixth and catching. Sean Rodriguez in center field. Gets the flight from Indy to Pittsburgh. Couldn't have got Meadows here in time. 
Mercer batting eighth and playing shortstop. Nick Kingham batting ninth and pitching. Now, uh, Dickerson and Marte are listed as available, but neither is starting, obviously due to injury. Uh, Dickerson with the hamstring and Marte, I'm assuming because he got hit in the hand with a pitch yesterday. So that's your Bucca lineup for tonight's home game against the Mets. Uh, Mats will be on the bump for New York. Like I said, Kingham pitching for Pittsburgh. You know what I've noticed about the Pirates starters? They're just about all the same. All five guys in the rotation right now. The lowest DRA is 3.73. The highest is 4.28. The lowest whip is 1.105. The highest is 1.317. You get the same, roughly, out of every Pirate starter. Is that good? Is that bad? Is that indifferent? None of them really suck. Everyone is inconsistent to some degree, but those stats define average for an MLB starting pitcher. And when you're paying what the Pirates are paying, and you run the organization like the Pirates do, average, I don't want to say it's the best you could hope for. In fact, if all five of your starting pitchers are average, that's not so bad. Still a lot of discussion as to whether the Pirates will be buyers, sellers, or stand pat uh, by the time the MLB trade deadline rolls around. That's on the 31st, less than a week away. Some people seem to want to trade Vasquez, feeling that he'd bring back a decent package, including perhaps a starting pitcher. But I don't see the logic of trading Vasquez. He signed through 2022. Four years, $22 million, a couple club options after that. That's not too expensive, and I'm not sure Vasquez would bring a big return. I agree that closers are easy to replace, and the Pirates have replaced their closer a number of times in the past decade, but you couldn't replace Vasquez right now. If you're in the wild card race, you got to keep your closer, and the Pirates are in the wild card race. Uh, the trade deadline, like I said, just five days away. And I'm so interested to see what Nutting and Huntington do. The last thing they wanted was this hot streak. It really gummed up the works. Uh, I got a couple tweets already about the Steelers and the anthem policy. Uh, I, I keep seeing suggestions regarding what the Steelers should do as a team. But they shouldn't have their own anthem policy. Let the league make the policy, and then the Steelers should just all stand at attention on the sideline without a policy, without the team having proclaimed anything. Not the players, not the franchise, not a combination thereof. Just go out there and stand at attention on the sideline and don't talk about it. Like, I keep saying the Steelers need to steer clear of all that. Like, they couldn't last year at Chicago. Now, when I say the Steelers should stand at attention on the sideline, I'm not necessarily criticizing Kaepernick and his ilk, what they've done and what they stand for. 
I just don't want it to permeate my hometown team. I don't want the trouble that's attendant. Uh, I'm not saying the Steelers don't have guys that feel responsible to their people and community. I just want them to express that in different ways because to do so like Kaepernick, etc., have would cause the team trouble. And I don't root for the Steelers, but I cover the Steelers, and I don't want that nest fouled. I think to deal with an anthem controversy like San Francisco's had to, like other teams have had to, I don't want the Steelers to have to. It's distracting. It's disconcerting. It ruins the football experience. For that to happen on the national level is something the people of Pittsburgh can ignore if they try. But what had happened in Chicago last year, that controversy, they couldn't get away from it. 412-333-9939. Uh, the Steelers have already made a roster move, according to Ray Fittipaldo of the Post-Gazette. The Steelers have released offensive lineman Bryce Harris. He was looked upon as potential backup at tackle, but he flunked the run test yesterday. So he's donezo. Uh, the Steelers signed cornerback Malik Reeves, a, a rookie out of Villanova, to take Harris's place on the 90-man roster. Here's some real good news. Hall of Fame quarterback and East Brady native Jim Kelly has beaten cancer once again. His wife, Jill Kelly, uh, not the porn girl I'm thinking, shared the news on Instagram. Speaking of cancer survivors, check out this story. Lance Armstrong, we tend to forget that he beat cancer in light of his cheating to win all those Tour de France titles. He was at a bar in Denver, and as he was leaving... The patrons started screaming F-bombs at Lance Armstrong. I don't know why. I don't know why they still feel so offended by what Lance Armstrong did, the cheating. I don't know why they're mad all these years later. I think people just like the LF bombs in public, and a guy like Lance Armstrong gave these jamokes in Denver an excuse. You know how Lance Armstrong handled it? He called the bar's manager from a taxi cab and bought... Everybody drinks. I think that's kind of cool. Lance Armstrong did what he did. If you want to call it cheating, well, the Tour de France did. The biking administration did. So, yeah, he cheated. But he shouldn't have to go through that. Nobody should have to be screamed at obscenely in a restaurant unless they committed a crime so heinous that it landed them in jail, in which case they would not be in the restaurant anyway. Up next... We're going to talk hockey with Hall of Famer Brian Trottier. It's Trots Up Next here on 105.9 The X. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. It's always time to talk hockey here on the Mark Madden Show. Joining me now to do so, he is a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, won four Stanley Cups with the New York Islanders, and two more with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Always a pleasure to speak with Brian Trottier. Uh, Trotz, the Penguins now have six centers after signing Derek Grant. That's two more than you need. How do you think that's going to sort itself out? Well, hi, Mark. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, it's always a great day to talk for hockey, like Bob Johnson would say. But um, 
six centers makes it a little cram down the middle. But I, I, you look at their their roster, and uh, they've got guys that are center icemen are playing wing. Uh, they've got guys that are um, certainly capable of making that little adjustment. So uh, who knows? I think it just makes for a lot of competition. I think uh, when you have injuries, I think that stacks up well to, to have some depth. Uh, what you don't want to have is a lot of have a disgruntled players. <laughs> you know, there's not enough ice time for guys. Uh, you see young Derek Broussard, and we're all big fans of his. Um, you know, he, he comes in and, you know, he's a kind of a third-line center. He's probably top six on a lot of teams. But, uh, you know, he's, he's making the, the adjustments. And, you know, who knows? We might You might see him jump up somewhere through the season. But it's always interesting to have that many playing that position and can they make adjustments to the wing? Can they make adjustments to ice time? Can they make adjustments to the roller playing? And uh, it, it's kind of a good problem to have in one sense, uh, but you just don't want a lot of disgruntledness. And, and, and that's always, a, that's always the, uh, the juggling that the coaches have to do. And, you know, there's kind of a, uh, a broad uh, level of pecking pole in the locker room, so to speak, where guys kind of, make that adjustment in the room and they're encouraging each other and, and, and finding their own level. And, uh, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, you, and then you start looking at size, you start looking at the size of these players, you start looking at what kind of role that they're playing, capable of playing the Derek Grant, six, three, 200 plus pounds. I mean, he's a big monster down the middle, you know, you have the Malkin, big, big, uh, big kid down the middle now, you know, you've got some guys that are like, you know, all six-footers, 200 pounds, so they're going to have some nice size down the middle. Now, you mentioned switching from center to wing, and there's talk that Cullen might do that, and maybe even Derek Broussard. How tough is that to make that switch, Trotz, to go back and forth between center ice and the wing? Well, I think it's fresh. I think for these players, I think that when you're, when you're um, obviously maybe a natural center, it might be a little, but when you're playing the, in today's game, there's just kind of, you're filling holes anyway. The first guy back plays low. The, you know, the first guy in becomes the last man back on a back check. So you're just filling holes anyway to a degree. It's just that face-off position and, you know, taking face-offs. It's, uh, it's the role of, of pressing on a, a controlled, uh, four check. Uh, and going into that one four, the one three two, or one two two rather, and then you see, um, you know, uh, who's the first guy? And nine times out of ten, it's generally the guy who took the face off. They just kind of jump into their roles and 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 position they start out from a face off point of view. But um, I don't think it's a big adjustment. Uh, you you'll find that some make the adjustment a little quicker than others. But I think most of these guys have have uh, wonderful hockey skills, hockey sense. Uh, and, and they can make that adjustment at this level. I, I, I believe that in my heart. And when you're encouraging them, you say, you know what? We can, we can increase your ice time. We can increase the amount of ice time you're getting, the quality of ice you're getting, maybe a little power play, maybe more penalty. You'll see guys, wow, they'll all put their hands up. They'll say, I want more ice time. I want to be in the power play. So I think those are kind of things that'll, that'll, that'll make that adjustment even happen a little quicker because that's, I guess, on the side of, uh, <laughs> good motivation. Now, you mentioned the new guy, Derek Grant, and you mentioned face-offs as well. Derek Grant is real good on draws. He won 53% last year. You were good on draws, Trots. How do you get good on face-offs? Is that something that comes natural? Is it about repetition practice? What's the secret? Well, when I played, I'd give out no secrets. But now that I'm all done playing, <laughs> I have an open book. Tomorrow. It's so much fun sharing all this fun stuff. And, you know, I don't think I was 
on a scale of uh, percentages, when the game was over, if I was 53 or 60% or had a, one of those nights where, you know, just every time they drop the puck, you're, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're winning it. Um, and those are rare, but I mean, you want to, you want the ones you want to win are the defensive zone faceoffs and the offensive zone faceoffs on the power play. You don't want to be chasing on the power play when you have the faceoff in their zone. And you don't want to certainly don't want to be like going into, you know, protection mode in your zone. And that's really where I prided myself. And I look back and I, you know, Al Arbor in New York and Bob Johnson and, and Scotty Bowman here were fantastic because those were the most important face-offs. Those were the ones that counted. And the, that's the time I wanted to be on the ice. And whether it was Ronnie Francis, myself, whether it was Mario, myself, or Mario and Ronnie, like it just always seemed like we had two center icemen on the ice that we could, you know, rely on. One guy got kicked out, the other guy didn't. Sometimes who you good at, who you, you, who you feel strong against tonight that you're doing well against. And you kind of have that little talk as you're going to the face off dot. You know, I got him, you got him. And it was really kind of a, a neat little confidence booster to have that kind of, uh, camaraderie with centermen that you feel really comfortable and, and confident that, hey, if I'm having a tough night, I can rely on somebody else and vice versa. And, uh, but you got to practice. I mean, there's just no shortcut for practice. You you need to work on your hand-eye coordination. You need to work on your strength and obviously your your core, and make sure that your your balance, your agility, um, and then your 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 adjustments. So when you who, who's coming out against you? Is he righty? Is he a lefty? How are they set up? And making you say, okay, they're not going to they're not going to win it over here. The only way place you might win is at this low percentage side and. And that's kind of how you start making your adjustments and you, and guys start reading off you and you're telling your defenseman, okay, the puck might end up over here. You're telling your goaltender, Hey, I might pull back towards you in your zone. And sometimes you just say to your both wingers, you go, you know what? I'm going to lose this face off on purpose because we're going to jump that clunky defenseman that they have back there at the point <laughs> and we'll pressure them into, in, into losing the puck and, and creating an offensive zone turnover. And, uh, and that happens. And you obviously don't get the face off win, but you get puck possession and you're creating offensive pressure. So, um, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And I just really minded myself on, in watching some of the best face off guys and, and learning from them, guys that were on my team, like Eddie Westfall, Jude Duran, and then playing against great face-off guys like Daryl Sittler and uh, Marcel Dion, guys that were had good hand-eye coordination, Bobby Clark, who was really tough on face-offs, you know, really battler, a guy who battled in the face-off zone. And then you learn to make your adjustments from there. I'm going to be quick against this guy. I've got to be stronger against that guy because he's, he's not as big. And uh, so there's lots of stuff that goes into it, but it's just all mental, some of it's experience, and some of it is just being a good student and priding yourself on just practice, practice, practice. We're talking to Hockey Hall of Famer Brian Trottier here on 105.9 The X. Trotts, the Penguins alumni have their five fishing classics September 6th and 7th at Spruce Creek, PA. I bet you're a fisherman from way back up there in Saskatoon. Oh, my God. You should see I can stand in that gumbo creek and Frenchman Creek and just pull out all them sucker fish with my bare hands. No, it was <laughs> I, it was really kind of nice to be able to go north and find some of that pike. And, and uh, so it was – it was, but it's fun. It's, the, the sport of fishing is really fun. And fly fishing has its sportsmen out there, and it's become a wonderful little competition at times. But we're trying to make a little co- competition out of this, raise some money for charity, the women's breast cancer research, McGee's women, and, uh, you know, obviously not of Nicole Malosh. But we've, we're priding ourselves to build that – 
build that kitty. We're priding ourselves on what we're able to do as alumni, as a group. So, uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. You know, September 6th and 7th, we've got some wonderful sponsors jumped on. PJ Dix has jumped on already, and um, Dix Sporting Goods provided some really good coupons and what, whatever. But we're looking for fishermen, so if there's a lot, they out in the <laughs> Pittsburgh area that are listening, you know, give us a call. Give us, you know, let us know what you want, what you're looking for, and we'll, we'll, we'll put you in, in a great situation where you can fish with alumni, a guy for a couple of days, have some laughs, a wonderful experience, and, Oh yeah, and there's fishing involved too. So, <laughs> but we'll have some. We'll have we'll have a great time. Well, that's the benefit breast cancer research. It's in memory of Nicole Malach, the uh, wife of former Penguin goaltender, and uh, he worked in hockey ops. Jill's Malach. So you can get the information on that. Go online, McGeeWomen's.org/events. That's McGeeWomen's.org/events. Uh, Charles, getting back to hockey, the Penguins might be looking at assimilating some young players this year, like maybe. Zach Aston Reese or Daniel Sprong. On your cup teams with the Islanders and with the Penguins, how did your veteran group absorb young guys? Was it difficult? Was it seamless? What was it like? Well, much like a young Yarmer Yager here, and much like a probably Mario Feld coming in, I mean, you want the young guys to make their mark. You want them coming in hungry, and you want them coming in contributing. Um, so that hunger and that contribution obviously affects the veterans to a great degree. Um, the, the impression, obviously you have a chance to make a first impression, but there's always an option to make a, your second, third, fourth impression. But, you know, Daniel Sprong, you know, we know his skill, we know his shot, we know his scoring ability, we know his offense. You know, but there's the puck, the, the the game without the puck, and it's getting the puck, pressuring the puck, getting those turnovers, turning turning it back into offense. You know, being smart defensively, and and that's Penguin hockey. I mean, you look at you look at um, Sullivan, you look at the way he prides himself. He wants to pressure. He wants he wants he wants speed. He wants that turnover. He wants that quick turnover. He wants to attack. And uh, you know, young players coming in, you know, they can. They can revel in that. They can they can take great advantage of that. So that's an opportunity, you know, to be able to like turn on your skill and turn on your speed and and be able to contribute and be hungry and be a part of something that's uh, that's pretty unique. You know, playing with the Crosby's and those, those, that level of hockey um, is really wonderful. So uh, I, I I look at this any young kid coming on this team and saying, boy, I hope I get I hope I get a chance to play with Malkin or Crosby or whoever, and just make my mark out there. And if it's a third-line role, I'm going to find a way to create some offense because in today's game, you look at four lines and you're looking at pressure. You're looking at an opportunity to attack, and the Penguins are the team. The Penguins are the team that does it. Uh, you look at uh, Vegas and the team, like they had four lines that just went out there and just kind of like in one great line, they had just four lines that went out there and generated. And uh, Washington, the depth that they had and Stanley Cup champion, that they had, I mean, they had four lines. They just went out there, pressure, speed, pressure, speed, turnover, attack. And, um, you know, it's become today's game. And so a lot of these kids that are coming into the camp, you know, they want to be able to show their skills. They want to be able to show their speed. They want to be able to show their creativity. I think it's an awesome opportunity because when I broke in um, with the Islanders back in the mid-'70s, you had to bang bodies. You had to battle in the corners. You had to, like stand up for yourself against some I call the monsters and uh, if you didn't you, you you weren't making a mark and at the same time you still had to create you still had to, to find a way to you know score goals and and do those things but it was just a part of the game in those days and uh, so yeah you want you want to be able to find a way to 
to be seen. And uh, I know, remember when I went to camp, I just said to myself, I might not score, but I'm going to bang everybody that moves that's close to the puck and uh, see if I can't generate some stuff like that. And boom, next you know, a little turnover. Oh, put the puck in front of that. Oh, someone banged it in. Oh, kind of fun. Oh, let's do that again. Next you know, someone banged the body, puts it in front of me, I banged it in. And uh, that's kind of how it works a little bit. And then you start building some chemistry. So for these young kids, I'm excited for them. Um, it's an exciting time to play hockey. It's an exciting brand of hockey, certainly for the fans. So, yeah, we're fans, and we're pulling for these kids with all our might. Trot, I-, I wondered, how often do you still play hockey? Or skate? How involved are you in the on ice side of the game still? Well, it's been it's been kind of fun here the last ten years. Uh, we had an alumni hockey team, uh, not just here in Pittsburgh, but at the NHL level. Then we had the old timers that did quite a few games right across Canada. So I was playing. I had my old buddy Tiger Williams, and I think one year we played almost sixty five games, and and they were fun. No no hitting, thank goodness, and we didn't have any shoulder pads. But this, the pace was really good. We're playing your teams in Ontario and Manitoba and Northern BC, and sometimes we get up against the uh, the First Nations communities. We had some wonderful games again. They're wonderful, skilled games and good good talent up all across North America. So we enjoy it, and with fundraising efforts, we've we've had a chance to raise a lot of money for a lot of different charities. So we pride ourselves in that. But more importantly, it's an opportunity for you know families to come out and see see some old guys that might get a little rust off their game and, and still move the puck around pretty pretty well. And uh, I'm so assuming I'm all, you still move the puck around pretty well, right? <laughs> well, I I just try to give with a young kid like. Uh, Oh, Dale Howardchuck, who can handle a biscuit. I suppose a young kid like Dale Howardchuck. Well, he's one of the younger kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's almost ten years younger. I, mean, I I love playing with the younger guys because you know they they like to dangle a little bit, carry the puck. Um, we have we have some great games, and I really enjoy when our alumni team gets together here in Pittsburgh. And we had a wonderful game last year in 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 Youngstown, um, Johnstown against right. the uh, junior team there, and what a blast the fans had because. You know, Kobe Armstrong is such a character, and Tyler Kennedy can still play it. Phil Bork was first star, and Frankie LaRue, and we had a great game. Our goaltenders stood on their ear, JSO Ben. That was really fun for the fans to see some great saves. They don't, you know, they don't care about the mistakes you make at this level. They really want to see some of the little, you know, sparking plays that you make every once in a while, and that brings uh, brings them to their feet a little bit. And whether it's a good defensive play, you should see Borky back check one time, go with the guy. You know, stripped the guy, the puck out. The guy had a clear shot on net, and the crowd went crazy. And that's really kind of what you want to do. And um, I enjoy it. I think all the guys enjoy it. Uh, if we can get a game against Detroit Red Wings here this fall up in Youngstown, we're trying to get that going. Philadelphia, we're, we enjoy our little alumni games against them with the outdoor games back and forth. So uh, there's opportunities. So, yeah, we get on the ice a little bit. I got a new hip, so I got to get that in shape again this year. So I'm kind of excited to see how that's going to respond. And it's come a long way. It's December 5th to today. It's, you know, it's the stiffness is gone, but the pain is, is limited. So I'm like, I'm kind of excited about what the, what the future brings there. But, you know, just to get on the ice and skate around with the guys, I can shuffle myself around the ice, stick on the ice, go to the net, get a couple of young guys like Tyler Kennedy passing me the puck. I won't mind that. Trotch, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time. Enjoy the fishing in September. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Thanks for the plug for the fishing. It's always a pleasure, Mark, and go Pens. That's Brian Trottier. Uh, like I always say, give me Lemieux and Trottier. I'll give you any other two centers from throughout history, and I'll beat your brains in. Uh, to check out the uh, Penguins Alumni Fly Fishing Event, that's September 6th at Spruce Creek, PA, to benefit breast cancer research, uh, go online, 
mcgeewomens.org slash events. That's mcgeewomens.org slash events. I'm Mark Madden. Mike Pursuit of next hour, talking Steelers, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, hey. Hey, what's going on, Mark? Hi. Super genius. It's a good buddy. That shit from XMW. Woo! VX at 105.9. If you're just tuning in, I got a poll up on Twitter. Will the Pirates draw over 23K for tonight's home game against the Mets or under 23K? Should be over given the way the Pirates have injected themselves back into the wild card race, having won 13 of their last 15 games. But if you made me bet, I would bet under. Uh, my Twitter is at MarkMaddenX. Pirate lineup note. Cervelli is back. Going to catch. All that stuff when Cervelli got concussed again about moving him to first base to save his career. If he can't catch, he doesn't have a career. He's not a good enough hitter to be a regular first baseman. But his numbers are pretty good for a catcher. So if he can persevere and play through the concussions, not not literally through, but you know, suffer the the damage and come back and keep going behind the plate. Then he has a career. If he has to switch positions, he does not. Uh, Marte and Dickerson are not in the starting lineup. Marte got hit in the hand with the pitch yesterday. Dickerson a bad hammy. So everybody's hero Serpico will be in the lineup tonight playing. Center field, yay, Serpico. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Uh, the word out of Los Angeles is that Aaron Donald, the defensive tackle for the LA Rams, he was NFL Defensive Player of the Year last year and first team All Pro for a third straight year, ex of Pitt, ex of Penn Hills High School. Aaron Donald will not play a down this season unless he gets a new deal. I wrote a blog about this on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Donald doesn't care about fines or missing paychecks or delaying his free agency by not eating up this season by playing. He's making 6.9 mil. He thinks he's outperformed that figure, and he's right, he has. So Donald's going to hold out till he gets what he wants. I respect that NFL teams can uh, cut players whenever they want. That's the way the CBA is. Free agency isn't free because of the franchise tag. It's unfair, but that's the way the CBA is. But I don't blame Donald for holding out either. If he can get cut at a moment's notice... Why can't he demand to renegotiate when he's outperforming his contract's value? Again, check out my blog on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. I mentioned earlier that uh, Jay Happ got traded to the Yankees by Toronto. The Big Lead website earlier today listed the five hottest potential trade commodities in MLB. Jay Happ was one of them. Also, Cole Hamels. Adam Jones, Mike Moustakas, and Chris Archer. The big lead also says the Pirates are connected 
to none of those. I see what happens between now and the 31st. That's the trade deadline. I see that as, as redefining the Pirates' priorities. When I say redefining, I mean defining the same priorities all over again. Or maybe things will change. We'll see what happens in the next uh, five days. Today is Mick Jagger's 75th birthday, and Mick's still doing it. And I don't mean just rock and roll. Jagger is still doing it. He had a kid at 73 with a woman less than half his age. Jumping Jack Flash, it's a gas. I'm Mark Madden, 1059X.